to the Basketball Doctors Podcast. My name is Marco Lopez. I am a doctor of physical therapy and certified strength conditioning coach. My name is Gabe Ignacio. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Our goal is to empower our listeners with evidence-based information of all things basketball. That includes injuries, recovery, rehab, nutrition, sports performance, and training. We will be interviewing key influencers to help you become a more well-rounded athlete at any skill level. Now we have one question for you. Are you ready to ball for life? Let's get it. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Marco from the Basketball Doctors. Do you know what the coronavirus is? Do you know what the signs and symptoms are? Are you at risk? Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Notwit, primary care sports medicine physician out of Michigan, who's going to talk to us all about the coronavirus and how it might affect you. Basketball season is officially postponed. I know AU basketball is closed down until almost the beginning of April. So now we're just going to talk about the facts, the myths, and everything all about coronavirus. So Dr. Nawa, thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure always talking with you. So kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Marco, thanks for having me on. You know, I really like what you guys are doing here. So I was happy to be a guest on here. But yeah, so I'm a primary care sports medicine physician. I'm based out of Michigan. Right now I'm working for the Henry Ford Health System, but I did my family medicine training at Western Michigan University, and I did all three years at a trauma one hospital there. And then I did my sports medicine fellowship over at Michigan State University, Go Green. I'm also uh, pretty devastated about March Madness being canceled because as every year, I thought our team had a real shot this year. So uh, I'm going to get past that. I think that it was a good decision, but you know, I'm still a little bit sad about sports being canceled. Yeah, man, Michigan State had a great finish to their season, too. They, they, were, they were looking good, man, unfortunately. But bad news with the coronavirus and stuff, closing it down. But um, talking about, you know, closing down the, the March Madness or officially canceling it, you know, what exactly is the coronavirus for those people that are just like, there's a lot of stuff going out there. Can you break it down to us? Like what exactly it is? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I think there is a lot of confusion going around out there. And the coronavirus is basically a straight, it's a big group of viruses, but there's a new one that recently came out around 2019. And that's the one that's currently going around the world right now. And you might remember that there was a virus called SARS a couple years ago. And what SARS stands for is severe acute respiratory symptoms. And this is basically SARS part two. Uh, The thing about it is that because it's a novel virus, there's no treatment for it as of yet. And there is not really any good knowledge on to how the long-term effects are going to be or the frequency that people are going to be affected. And that's what makes this a lot different in terms of the management and a lot more severe in terms of the restrictions that are placed. Because what the goal is, is to get ahead of this infection before it gets out of control. And since we don't know a lot about it, they have to do more rather than do less. It's, it's uh, funny that you mentioned the the whole SARS, because I was watching this Vox episode on Netflix called The Next Pandemic, and they talked about the SARS, the disease, oh, wow. they said it, another variation's going to come, and they launched this, I think, in August of last year. It just talks about, like, human transportation is, or technology, is the reason this virus is going to grow even more, because people go, could, could go from one country. We're a lot to more country. connected. Exactly. So speaking about that, like, 
you know, you talk about it's a novel virus, you know, it's a new virus that we're kind of experiencing. Like, what are the signs and symptoms? I know there's a lot of stuff out there. Some people are getting confused with the flu, with the virus, with food poisoning. You mind breaking down to us, like, what exactly are the signs and symptoms of coronavirus? Yeah. So the signs and symptoms are unfortunately kind of nonspecific. And uh, this, the symptoms that happen can overlap with a lot of other conditions. But there are a few major symptoms that if you are experiencing would be important to get worked up by your primary care physician or whoever you see regularly for your health care. And that would be fevers are, is the most common presenting symptom. And along with that, shortness of breath, fatigue, and a cough. Um, a productive cough, like uh, what that means is a cough that you have sputum coming out is a little bit worse of a sign than a non-productive cough or a dry cough. In regards to any of the signs and symptoms, how, I know a lot of people are saying like, I think Donovan Mitchell came on saying that he didn't really have any of the signs and symptoms. Yeah. It was, do you know anything about that in regards to, is it dormant or what's the... That's, that's kind of the major reason why they're doing this whole social distancing thing because Donovan Mitchell tested positive and he was pretty much asymptomatic. He didn't really show any signs of it. So hypothetically, if they had kept on playing these NBA games, Donovan Mitchell would have been positive for coronavirus, still able to spread it to everyone that he was interacting with, his trainers, his coaches, other teammates, other teams. And then that could pop up positive in a way that was a lot more symptomatic and possibly even dangerous for any of the elderly or immune compromised people that these dozens or hundreds of people might have interacted with. So that's kind of the major lesson that we learned from Donovan Mitchell having a positive story, actually, and, you know, not really feeling any ill effects from his sickness. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think you mentioned a great thing, social distancing. Like, what exactly does that mean? And I need to stay away from people. Like, how can we take preventative measures? Do we, you know, everyone's talking about washing their hands, not being, what is it, six feet away, some people are saying. Can you give us some guidelines of what's the best practice in regards to preventing the spread of the disease? So the best practice, which is obviously difficult to practice, would be total isolation. And if you're able to just stay at home, not go to work, uh, just get stock up on some groceries, don't hoard, but have groceries for maybe one to three weeks, that would be prime. And you're able to kind of stay at home and avoid people. And that's not really possible, unfortunately, for a lot of people. You know, people have works that work jobs that they aren't able to stay home from, they aren't able to stock up that much on groceries. So there's some other general rules of thumb that you can follow. You already mentioned one of them, which is six to 10 feet away from other people, try and avoid random conversations, random interactions. At this time, I know some people like to be friendly, but this is a time to be not friendly, <laughs> if there ever was one. Uh, outside of that, it's been hit home that hand washing is one of the most effective ways to prevent this. That's because a lot of the virus, a lot of the ways of transmission is on surfaces. And that's when you come into contact with door handles, when you kind of come into contact with counters and a way to transmit that is it gets on your hands and then you touch your face because people touch their face all the time. And then it gets transmitted through your respiratory tract. So if you make a habit of using hand sanitizer or using soap and water, uh, repeatedly multiple times throughout the day and minimizing contact with your face that would go leaps and bounds towards preventing you from getting coronavirus and preventing you from becoming an asymptomatic carrier that would transmit it to other people. Yeah, and that's tough what you said about not putting your hands to your face. I feel like I'm always guilty. Like even on this podcast, I was like, thank yeah. God I washed my hands before. <laughs> that. 
it's like so hard just like second nature to try to put your hands in your you know around your face anything but in regards to what are these impl- i know everyone's like the recent news that i've heard is au basketball suspended at least here in california until the end of march even like later towards april and they just said just until now but it might get post get postponed longer what are the implications in sports specifically maybe basketball how about some kids are out there hey i want to go play pickup basketball so my advice for them is to not do it unfortunately because most likely that would require over that eight to ten person limit that they recommend that you stay away from and also in addition to that you're using one basketball everyone's touching that one basketball they're passing it back and forth between each other. Someone coughs, puts their hand on the basketball. They're probably not going to have time to use hand sanitizer between each play. You know, it's just, it's unfortunately not a great idea. And it comes down to a lot of stuff. Right now, our our world is kind of based on a lot of instant gratification, which, you know, is, is nice and it feels good. But at a certain point in time when really big, serious issues come up, we have to be able to put aside a little bit of, socialization and a little bit of kind of happiness that comes from that for the long-term benefit of trying to stamp out this infection and try and prevent our country from going the same paths as countries like Italy right now. And hopefully instead following the path of places like Singapore and Taiwan, which have been able to really kind of control this virus by putting very strict uh, restrictions on their country's populations and enforcing those. So you know, it's a little bit of self-responsibility that's going to be really important in these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's huge because I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh man, school's out. Because a lot of this, I think the majority, I think all of the school districts here in specifically Southern California, like Los Angeles area, Los Angeles County are officially closed and people are like, hey, I'm going to go play basketball with my friends and all this yeah. stuff. And I think this is great that you mentioned that. How about in regards to exercise? Can we still work out? Some people are like, hey, I'm not going to work out or anything. Can we still so, can we still exercise? I know gyms are closed, but yeah, I was devastated actually when my gym yeah. closed, and I actually had to go down to my parents' basement and pull out all my old like weights and pull up bar and yeah. over to my wife's place, and she's just like, "What is happening?" Yeah. So, um, so I I definitely agree with the the protocols that they put out, saying that you know gyms are closed. It's uh, it's once again one of those severe restrictions that is going to help in the long run, but you are able to exercise at home, uh, calisthenics, body weight exercises, you know, going for walks outside as long as you're not going in a huge group of people, just, you know, going for walks, runs, jogs, that's a more isolation kind of activity and those are okay as well too. The only time that I would say that you shouldn't be exercising is when you shouldn't be exercising normally, and that's if you have a fever. So when you have a fever, your body is trying to regulate its immune system, and you exercising and increasing your own body temperature kind of messes with that. So they usually recommend that you do not uh, exercise vigorously while you have a fever. Colin, following up on that, how about a question in regards to someone, let's say they have a little slight cough or anything can they exercise itself? Or I know we talked about the fever. Can someone with a slight little cough exercise or are they should not exercise at all? I would say that they're able to exercise. And I would say that that's going to be a case by case basis. And the main thing that's going to guide that is what guides a lot of my treatment and that's as tolerated. So if they're 
how to ease into that exercise program that they're used to doing. Don't go to full speed. And if they notice that their symptoms are worsening at all, then they should immediately cease that activity and go and uh, call in to their primary care physician and get further recommendations. Uh, if they feel like none of their symptoms are worsening, then it seems like it should be okay to continue. Great tips. I love them. What are some of the craziest myths you've heard? <laughs> and can you just kind of debunk them? I know one of them is that uh, it's all fake. Is this virus real or fake from what? <laughs> so I can say from personal experience of the system that I work at, that we have diagnosed cases at our system. I have, as you can imagine, a bunch of um, colleagues and friends who work in medicine as well too. And some of them have had firsthand exposure with it. So while you can never be 100% certain, I would say that this is one of those cases where it is almost near certain that this is not a hoax, this is real. Uh, and even if for some reason it was a hoax, all the stuff that they're telling you to do to prevent the spread of this is nothing that's seriously going to harm your long-term uh, living style or quality of life. So it's not, it's not fake. And even if it was, what's wrong with just trying to prevent a pandemic? What are the implications? Let's say you do have it and you show symptoms. What's the, the implications? Are you going to be, you know, and obviously you need to go, or what's your advice if someone has those symptoms? They need to go to their, uh, go to the hospital, ER. What's your advice in regards to that? So my advice for that is to first call their primary care office because they usually have their own protocols in place for how to deal with this. And if for some reason they're not able to do that, then they should go to the nearest urgent care or ER that's open and they should not go inside the waiting room. They should call from outside maybe before they start and get instructions on how they should act uh, based on their concern that they're potentially infected. And that facility should also have a set protocol that they should be able to instruct the patient on what to do at that point. But I would recommend that if someone seriously thinks that they have coronavirus to do their first communication via phone if possible and get further instructions onto the facility they're going to. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, man. I love that. In regards to um, how about if someone gets it, let's talk about not, this might be a very sensitive topic. What are the risks once you have it? You know, let's say I know the elderly or the immune compromised, you know, if you're diabetic, smoker, those are put you. So can you tell us like, what are the actual um, What's the consequences once you have the coronavirus? Because not a lot of people are going to be as lucky as Donovan Mitchell and have no symptoms, feel good. Can you tell us, like the, I guess, the negative side of it? Yeah. I mean, he seems like a great guy. So if someone was going to have no symptoms, I'm, I'm happy it's Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Although I do regret the Pistons not drafting him, as most teams oh, probably. Man. Um, but that's a great question, though, in terms of what symptoms someone can be having and what kind of um, what after effects so most most adolescent, I mean, most younger people, any even children, anyone under the age of 60 to 65 that doesn't already have a pre-existing immune condition, like kidney condition or heart condition or lung condition, the majority of those cases have been shown to recover without any short-term effects. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be any consequences 20, 30 years down the road. We simply just don't have the information for that. And there is some small reports of some patients not recovering all of their lung function afterwards. So that's something to keep in mind for the people that, you know, aren't, <laughs> aren't cognizant of this illness because they think that it's just a mild flu illness and they're going to get better without any consequence. 
that's not definitely true. And we don't really know too much about this infection to, to say that. So that's another reason for yourself to practice social distancing. Um, but in terms of what we do know is that in that immune compromise and in that elderly population, there's a higher chance of them getting the severe lung disease, which is that severe acute respiratory symptom. And what that is, is that basically kind of trashes the lungs and it makes it very hard to breathe and very hard to get the appropriate amount of oxygen. And unfortunately, without proper intense critical care, the patient has a high chance of not surviving. And that's kind of what those issues are arising in Italy, where they're not having enough vents, which help the patients that are in that severe acute respiratory stress breathe. And they're having to make pretty tough decisions on who to put on those vents. And that's a major reason why we have to focus on flattening the curve. And what that means basically is that it's not so much reducing the total number of cases, it's reducing the amount of cases at a specific time so that our hospital systems aren't flooded by tens of thousands of cases at once, they're flooded by tens of thousands of cases over a period of months, which is much easier for them to handle. Exactly, and that's kind of like the whole flattening the curve, right, that everyone's kind of talking about. And um, for everyone, all the listeners, we posted a cool video in our story about the whole flattening the curve. Right oh, now, we don't have the resources. Yeah, yeah um, just we don't have the resources right now to support yeah. everyone. You know, yeah, that's the, the the you know the bad parts regarding this virus that not a lot of people know about. And I think this podcast was great in talking about all this, you know, the facts, myths, and talking about how you could actually save your loved ones because those are the ones that you might not care about as much, not not yeah. think about as much when you're out there, you know, contracting the disease because you might spread it to those. Oh yeah, the myths. I forgot. About, I'll just I'll just hash oh, through. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Go, go through some more words. Uh, so the toilet paper. People think that they're gonna have yeah. a ton. Of, I don't know what they think they're gonna have because they're getting like entire Costco packs. But four percent of people that actually test positive for coronavirus have diarrhea symptoms. Regardless, the symptoms of coronavirus aren't gonna last more than a couple weeks. And most people, I feel like, have had diarrhea before you only need maybe a couple rolls of toilet paper, even if there was <laughs> three or four people in the house over two weeks. So I don't, I don't know why people are getting all these stacks. That's, that's, that's the first thing. <laughs> There's um, another one I saw where they said inhale hot air from a blow dryer can eliminate coronavirus. That is dangerous and you can severely damage your lungs. I would definitely recommend against doing that. And uh, I think the other one was gargling with salt water and vinegar. I mean, that's that's not really harmful for you, but it's not gonna it's not gonna kill coronavirus in your throat, which is what a lot of the claims are saying. And other than that, you know, just vitamins, essential oils, teas. There's no evidence saying that that helps anything. So I mean, I would just use your own self judgment in that and kind of look at the facts. Yeah, no, those are great. I mean. You see all the crazy stuff in, in the internet. See, I think that was kind of like my biggest thing is like, why are people getting so much toilet paper? I was like, shouldn't you get food first before you get toilet paper? <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy, man. But hey, thanks again for coming on and talking about, you know, all things for coronavirus. I think this is going to be very valuable for people out there just so they could, we could have one place where we could just, you know, talk about the facts and myths because there's stuff that are spreading out there all this false information. So if we just get educated on what the real stuff is, I think that's the first big step. To get into a little lighter, the lighter note or side, to finish it off, can you tell us your favorite basketball memory? 
you know, I know you have plenty with Michigan State. Uh, I have some in my back of my head when I was at Michigan State. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess firsthand, I was I was lucky enough to be able to be sidelined last year when I was um, assisting, uh, assistant team physician with the team. So, in person, I got to say the best moment was uh, was when Michigan, say, beat Michigan for the third time in the season on uh at the tournament and managed to take home the big 10 tournament crown after beating them for the second time at the end of the season for the regular season crown i mean we got our own problems with michigan fans half my high school friends that i'm still somehow friends with today are michigan fans but um that was my best in-person moment and my best just watching on tv moment was when michigan state hit that buzzer beater against maryland uh they ended Grievous Vasquez's season, which was sad for him because oh, he's a great player. But Corey Lucius just lit it up and just knocked him out. And I think we went to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight off of that, and then ended up going to the Final Four after that. So those are some That's good times. <laughs> I remember watching that game because Vasquez was so good in college. He was like a trip. Yeah. I think he beat Duke that one year. Yeah, uh, he was a monster. Uh, and then I remember Corey Lucius. He's great, man. He was a he was a their point guard, right? Or shooting guard, or he was a shooting guard. He actually ended up leaving the team next year and going to Iowa State. It was because yeah. I remember that year they thought that Michigan State was going to come back and win the national championship. Yeah, and yeah, then, that's right. uh, they kind of self destructed and barely made it to the tournament. I think it was yeah. a little too much star power. <laughs> yeah, no, it was his Alexis four year players a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and then one thing that pops into my mind when. Uh, when we talk about Michigan State, is Michigan State? I don't know if you follow too much football, but Michigan State versus uh, Stanford in yeah, that uh, Rose, Bowl. Rose Bowl, that stop. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was mad at Stanford for. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. I just I still remember the YouTube clip for that because they hype it up. It's like in all the hype videos, pretty much. Yeah. So hopefully, with our new uh, football coach, we can maybe bring back some of that glory. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, who's the new football coach? Is it? Uh... Mel Tucker, uh, they took him away from oh, yeah, Colorado. It was uh, it was big in the news recently because it was kind of a last he left minute. Colorado, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll see I'm what happens. About that because yeah. Pac-12 guy. I mean, he's like, ah, oh, that's yeah. Tough. No, Colorado fans are real upset about that, but um, you know, I mean, it's it's a business out there, and hopefully, hopefully, everyone's feelings get a little bit better. Obviously, I probably feel the same way. If, if someone left Michigan State like that too. <laughs> yeah. um, just to end it off, where can anyone find you? Like what's your, do you have an Instagram website, email, if they have any questions that, or they want to work with you? Yeah. So it's really easy to find me actually. I'm at fantasy docs on all my platforms. So that's fantasy docs, D O C S. And you can search that on Instagram. That's where I would say my primary uh, population is, but I also have, a Facebook page where I put out a lot of information and then I have a podcast as well too, which is, let's say pretty popular. People seem to like it. So uh, you can just search fantasy docs on Apple podcasts, Spotify podcasts, basically any of the major podcast platforms that'll be on there. Perfect. And we'll include all of this information, the media notes. So you can find this podcast on all major podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything. If you guys have any questions, you can email us at thebasketballdoctors at gmail.com or on our Instagram. But thank you guys again for listening and following us. We hope you learned something today about the coronavirus and how you could stop the spread of the infection slash disease. And just make sure you do the right consultation, the right decisions.
We love to continue bringing information regarding all things basketball to a mass audience. So please rate us, subscribe, comment, and tell your friends. Let's ball for life. Thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great.